Okay, sweeties, tonight we find out what happens when the man behind Jamie Summers takes the formula of lethal weapon and mixes in some in the heat of the night. We've got illegal aliens, organized crime rings, and civil rights uprisings. Catch this one-season wonder that inspired five television movies. Hit it, boys! What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of the golden oldies? And a smidgen of streaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host DJ and Toppy. Good evening, Mr. Smilly. How are you, sir? I am excellent. I am super well. How about you? I am wonderful. You know, it's the 1st of March, and one thing I remember from being in school is they used to say that March is one of those months where it either comes in like a lamb and goes out like a lion. Where do you think we are with that, with the weather? Uh, Lionish. Lionish. Yeah, I'd say that's a fair guess here, too, because... out here in not quite apple country we've had some gale force winds and no that's that's not uh gale from the wizard of oz <laughs> was there a gale on the wizard of oz a dorothy gale oh that's right yeah, swamp womp. so we are here uh, brought together by a love of film and television this matinee minutia is not your ordinary podcast about tv and film no This is a trivia podcast, so this is where we get down to the nitty-gritty. We find out what went on behind the scenes and, uh, you know, how'd they get the job, by the way. So, um, Toppy, I think that, uh, if I recall correctly, we're going to be watching a police drama that's got a little bit of a sci-fi spin. Um, Now, I think that uh, that was uh, on TV, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yep, that's it. It was on Fox, and it was basically a buddy cop series with a twist because one of the buddies was an alien from another planet. And uh, the aliens were called Tectons, and they arrived on Earth in a slave ship with lots. There were lots of it. It was a huge ship, and uh, they landed on Earth, and Earth decided... Uh, well, actually, I guess just America. And we'll have to correct me if that's wrong, DJ, but I think they only were taken in by the land of the free, America. Yeah. And so the the uh, aliens took their place in human society with the good and the bad. And, uh, and this is a, a series all about differences in races and uh, cultures and nothing could be uh, more apropos for today's world. We're going to fire up the old tube TV here so we can get going on this late 80s sci-fi series. And as uh, our showgirl in her uh, her twilight there suggested, this was a one-season wonder. So here we go. Oh, right. Uh, fire up the boob tube, as they say. Hiya, boys. Well, hi, Gertie. Uh, do you think you can rustle us up some popcorn? Uh, uh, by the way, folks, we're not uh, having our seats in the usual uh, uh, auditorium proper. The TV's here in the break room, uh, which <laughs> Gertie keeps very tidy. Yeah, sure I do. All right. 
Ah, let me make some popcorn for you boys. It'll be great. <laughs> do, 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 do. Alrighty. Put it right in here. Let's see now. Power it up. And uh, here we go. We'll be fine. What'd I tell you? Instant popcorn. All right, you boys are on your own now. Stuff your faces and talk to the people in the chat room. Oh, thank you, Gertie. Uh, DJ, we do have a chat room full of people. Let me uh, introduce them. Uh, why, uh, once again, it's your husband, uh, DJ Billy. Ooh, hey, Is honey. Here. How you doing? Awesome. Yeah, also a library lady. Uh, we also have Spanking B. Arthur. And uh, look, it's our friend Tommy. And uh, I swear Brenda was here, but she's vanished. Uh -oh. uh, but she was here for a moment. And perhaps she'll be back. Uh, anyways, thank you everyone for joining us in the chat room. Well, you know, they Always say the Twilight here. Zone, they say the Twilight Zone is coming back. So hopefully that's not where she went. Well, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. So, DJ, this is uh, going back quite a few years, and uh, why don't you uh, tell us what was going on in the world at that time? Uh, certainly. So, Alien Nation was a Kenneth Johnson production, and of course, as our showgirl said, uh, he brought us the likes of the Bionic Woman and the 80s sci-fi miniseries V, and uh, the world in 1989. So we're going to set the stage and let you know what was going on. So we'll try to do this in about 60 seconds or so. So here we go. <laughs> sure. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So George, George Bush Sr., Herbert Walker, becomes the 41st president. Uh, Rob Brown becomes the first African-American to lead a U.S. political party. And that's the Democratic National uh, Committee. Uh, Barbara Harris becomes the first woman consecrated as Bishop of the Episcopal Church. And uh, Time, uh, Time Inc., the uh, Time Magazine Company, and Warner Communications merge and become Time Warner. We also have two scientists at the University of Utah announce they've achieved cold fusion. The Exxon Valdez runs aground in Alaska, spilling 240,000 barrels of oil. And uh, it, during the war on drugs, drug agents confiscate 21.4 short tons of cocaine and more. Uh, it's more than $12 million in cash from a Los Angeles warehouse. Hmm, the setting of Alien Nation. And then uh, Douglas Wilder becomes the first African-American governor of, in this case, Virginia. Uh, David Dinkins becomes the first African-American mayor of New York City. And also in 1989, the Berlin Wall is demolished after President Reagan tells Gorbachev to tear down that wall. And Ooh, uh, lastly, it was a busy year. It was. And speaking of getting busy, uh, some of the people that entered that uh, the world at this uh, time in 1989, some of the celebrities you might know from uh, more recent years, Mr. Cord Overstreet. He's an actor and a musician. He was in some of the later uh, episodes of the TV series Glee. Also, musician and YouTube sensation Tyler Oakley, as well as musician and urban R&B artist Jason Derulo. Those were all little bundles of joy in 1989. Zoiks. And what, what, what else was on TV when this here alienation was 
being broadcast. Well, it's no wonder Kenneth Johnson decided to make a TV show about uh, police drama because there were just so many police shows on TV during the 80s. There were dozens. At any one given time, there were at least half a dozen airing. And these were all in the after dinner time slots because, of course, you know, you had all walks of life, including some of the folks that uh, wandered most at night, if you catch my meaning. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, uh, in 1989, there were a few shows that were ending, including one of your favorites, or at least a spinoff from it, Dynasty ended in 89, uh, a show that involved a little bit of detective work, Moonlighting, that launched the careers of Bruce Willis. And uh, we also have Murphy's Law and Simon and Simon, all shows that involve some form of detective or police work. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You know, when TV first started, Westerns were super popular. And then a TV uh, uh, on TV, the, the, the crime and police shows took over. And by God, they've never left. There's still a genre as popular as ever on TV. And I think that that's probably because uh, there's a little something for everyone in there. You know, you get the setting of law enforcement and you get every possible, you know, opportunity to meet this character or that character and how somebody was done wrong. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the cast. Um, Basically, a bunch of people I had never seen in anything else, although I have seen them first. So starring as the uh, main human cop. Gary Graham. Yes, Gary Graham is a California native. He came from Long Beach. So some say that that's the the port city that's uh, sort of attached to L.A. That's where all the cargo containers get offloaded for our stores. And uh, he had starred in supporting roles in five films prior to Alienation. He'd had more than two dozen TV roles. And most notably, one-time appearances in Remington Steel and Moonlighting. So it's no wonder and they. What I, yeah, what I remember mostly was uh, I don't know. He was on Star Trek, um, uh, Enterprise, I think. Yes, in fact, uh, part of his is um, you know uh, recognized uh, being recognized on screen was from Alien Nation, and that led him. Uh, to get hired for some roles on Star Trek. Now, he actually had auditioned for leading roles on Star Trek at Paramount. He had auditioned for the role of the captain on Deep Space Nine, which ended up being played by Avery Brooks. And he also auditioned for the role of the captain on Voyager, which, of course, went to Kate Mulgrew. That's right. And Spanky uh, reminds us that... uh... On, Enter- on Star Trek Enterprise, he played a Vulcan. Yes, he certainly did. Uh, after he, he tangoed with the alien, he got to put on the ears and become one. Yeah, so uh, so it's a buddy cop uh, TV show. The human Gary Graham and his buddy alien is portrayed by Eric Pierpoint, who I have absolutely no knowledge of. You know, I, I think that several of the cast were uh, sort of unrecognizable, or at least they were in leading roles prior to this. Uh, Eric Pierpoint was a Maryland native. Now, I've had a, the pleasure of meeting Mr. Pierpoint since he's an East Coaster. Uh, he had six roles on television prior to Alien Nation, including 24 episodes of Fame. You know, that uh, 
that uh, high school drama set in New York City where everyone was trying to make it in the world of theater and yeah, dancing. Sure what what role? What, who was he on that show? Oh, geez, I I want to say he was probably a teacher. They they had some of those you know uh, guest roles of the week where they they had like a, a teacher's aide or someone come in. But uh, Eric also has a bachelor's in philosophy. So you have all these actors who are good at their craft. But, um, you know, before they got involved with theater and television, they actually got their sheepskins, their their lambskin, their paper. He has a degree in philosophy from the University of Redlands. He also has a master's degree in drama from the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. So a stone's throw from where he grew up. All right. Uh, Spanky in the chat room says the character name for uh, for the human cop was uh, his last name is Sykes. What the heck? What was his first name? Oh, Matthew. <laughs> Matthew. Matthew Sykes. And Spanky says that in the newcomers language, newcomers is what they called the aliens in their language. Sykes last name translates to, to shithead yes <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, and uh, one important side note uh if you got to catch the uh the film that inspired this because they they were quick to turn around on this a lot of times when a tv show was made it's been inspired by something else and sometimes that's a pilot but in this case in just the year before 20th Century Fox produced a film starring James Caan and Mandy Patinkin. It, today, it's considered some of a film noir because it was a very a gritty and dark, um, edgy sort of um, bad side of the tracks film. And um, the uh, character of the alien cop was originally Sam Francisco because they, they had a little bit of fun. This is, this is where it ties into the real world. You know, we, we all uh, are curious about our family's histories and we go back to look and see where we came from, you know, three or four generations ago. And you find out, oh, well, we came from, you know, a non-English speaking country. And when they came across the border, they changed their name because they couldn't spell it. So right. you got the aliens. We can't speak their language. We give them cute names. Sam Francisco and the uh, the human cop. He's like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm not calling you Sam. So uh, in the course of the film that inspired this show, they changed his name to George because uh, Matt just wasn't going to be uh, playing a joke on his friend all the time. Right. And uh, what are there were some uh, secondary characters. Uh, the um, George had a wife, uh, a fellow newcomer. Played yeah. by Michelle Scarabelli. Mm-hmm. And um, what has what she been in? Well, um, quite a few of the cast of Alienation, or at least the, the women roles, were experienced soap opera actors. And uh, Michelle Scarabelli was Canadian-born. She had seven supporting film roles prior to Alienation and had 18 television roles, which included guesting on such shows as Highway to Heaven, Dallas, and Airwolf. And there were nine Uh, films after the cancellation. So she continued to work in films after Alienation 
And before the first Alienation TV movie in 94, she continued to work in television and guest roles in TV movies. Right. And uh, the the alien couple, uh, the newcomer couple had a daughter and uh, the daughter had a human uh, friend who was frequently on the show. And uh, it's, uh, it says here you... You, the actresses are both known today as as being on uh, daytime dramas, right? the The actress that played Emily, her name is Lauren Woodland. Now she was a, just a child when Alien Nation was first on the air, but afterwards she fell in the footsteps of some of her castmates, and she she went on to be on uh, The Young and the Restless actually for quite a long time. As she played a character named Brittany Brittany Hodges. And uh, Matt's alien girlfriend, she's the neighbor next door, uh, whose name was Kathy. Now, her name is spelled T-R-E-A-S, and forever and a day I've always thought that that was pronounced Trias. However, in a bonus material that I watched with the producer, Kenneth Johnson, he explained that her name is actually just pronounced Trees. Oh, (laughs) Uh, I didn't know that. Um. So uh, that's pretty much the cast. There were others that had reoccurring roles. Let's get back to the producer and uh, the person who created it for TV, Kenneth Johnson. Like you said, he had a a very well-known history of successes. So uh, Fox, uh, if we haven't mentioned, is the, the uh, channel that uh, – or the broadcast station that, that had – the series and they immediately thought of Kenneth Johnson and they, they sent him the original movie to watch. So, Hey, can you make a TV show out of this? And Kenneth Johnson famously was utterly uninterested. (laughs) He (laughs) did not want to do it, but um, they just kept pestering him. And finally Kenneth Johnson said, well, you know, there's just one thing I like about the movie and that's when all of this nonsense sitcom stuff with the aliens at home gets out of the way and we get uh, the two cops working together. And Kenneth Johnson liked that idea and uh, pitched it back to Fox. And Fox thought they were going to get, you know, just another uh, buddy cop series. Uh, but what they got instead was, was Kenneth Johnson's vision of using the show to highlight themes of civil rights and slavery and emancipation and uh, to be able to use the series to write uh, stories about uh, perhaps a Holocaust of some sort. And, uh, and so that's what, that's why he chiefly became interested. He realized that this could be a show that talks a lot about social justice and things. Yeah, and I seem to recall when I read about Kenneth Johnson getting interested in doing this, he he sort of had an idea that he he could mesh together concepts of lethal weapon and in the heat of the night because there was going to be racial tension. Yeah, he was very, very, that's what really won him over. And um, uh, the whole idea of that. And the timing couldn't have been more perfect. Now, uh, when the film that inspired this TV series was released in 1988, we basically were a generation after World War II, and you have a generation of people 
uh, who, if you were of Asian descent, they there were internment camps during World War II. And President Carter, he launched a investigation into reports that the internment camps were not fairly organized. There was a great amount of prejudice involved. And a lot of the people who were incarcerated in those internment camps were actually American-born citizens. So in 1988, after the investigation by the Carter administration, President Ronald Reagan signed into the law the Civil Liberties Act of 1988, which apologized for the internment on behalf of the U.S. government and authorized a payment of $20,000. Now, in today's money, that's equivalent to forty-two grand. So, uh, you know, a year's income, roughly. And, uh, you know, you, they, they say um, you really can't equate suffering with money, but we try. Uh, and that was to each camp survivor. So imagine a whole family. Um, you know, that, that may provide some security, hopefully, for the future. The legislation admitted that government actions were based on race, prejudice, war hysteria, and a failure of political leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, Spanky in the chat room says that he recalls uh, alienation featuring, a, a, I think this would be in the, particularly in the pilot, they, where they had riots and protesters. Um for when the uh, newcomer kids were being kind of bust, you know, taken into the schools. And as a matter of fact, DJ, why don't you play a clip uh, two? Okay, here we go. Only four months instead of nine. Pretty soon there won't be any room for the rest of us. We don't need any more dead We shouldn't give them the right to vote. Slagtown, why don't we just kill him? Teach him a lesson. Keep him in their place. Keep America pure. We don't even need to paint little stars on him to recognize him, do we? That'll not be easy to round up. Look at him. They stand out even better than the jets that we threw into concentration camps back in 1942. This will be a piece of cake. And enough of us get together, it'll almost seem legal, won't it? Put little white pointy sheets on our heads and hang us a few slags, huh? Well, let's start with this little one right here. Just because she's an American citizen, that doesn't make her a human being, does it? So what if she's a little brighter than some of our kids? 
We can beat that out of her. Discourage her enough, she'll give up. So what if she might have come up with a cure for cancer someday? She's not civilized like us. So why don't we just put a gun to her head and end it all right here, huh? Come on. Come on, pull the trigger. Come on, take it! Come on! How about you, Ms. Pierce? I know you want to come pull the trigger. Get on over here! Come on down! What, I have to do it myself? Okay. No, we don't want her dead. We just want her back where she belongs. She belongs here. Well, all sentiments that uh, we're hearing today, uh, a lot. And it's many years later, and <laughs> it's a little discouraging that uh, eh, hasn't gone away. Yes, and, you know, the, the great thing about this show was that there were so many different parallels to draw from. And the fact that this was a police drama show, I mean, there were only 22 episodes. And one of the things that's been said about this show, since it was in the early days of Fox original programming, if they had the the uh, the know-how that they did in later years, Alien Nation would have continued beyond its first season because I don't know about you, but when I go through and watch these episodes that, you know, are now 15 plus years old, actually 20 plus years old, um, they I, I have a hard time saying what ones I don't like because it's, it's a rare thing when you get a TV show where the next episode is good, too. Yeah, I agree. the The writing was strong. the The acting was strong. They didn't shy away, as you just heard, from uh, issues that were that are still with us today. And it made it made the show more more than your average cop show, more than your average science fiction show. And it lasted one season. What I understand is the ratings were not bad, and Fox liked it. But there was something that interrupted production and the whole thing sort of fell apart. Um, And they did bring it back four or five years later to do uh, four or five TV movies with the exact same cast. So they would not have done that if it wasn't warranted. And but they did. And they were very fortunate that they were able to get them. I mean, uh, most people these days, if you're in a leading role, you move on to the next best thing. You've got a movie that you've gotten into, you know, you've got other contracts. So I guess that that may have been the beauty of some of these actors being daytime staples. You know, they they already had their other show. But uh, sometimes they say, you know, if it's just a mini series or whatever, they'll schedule it during their off season. And that's in actuality what happened was after the show was canceled and uh, they were able to organize their people to do the TV movies, they they basically produced the stories that they were hoping for in their second season. So they did back-to-back productions and churned out five TV movies over the course of a couple of years. So it was almost like they were making a mini-series. Ah, that's how they did it. Yeah, that makes sense. That was how they were able to to keep the same characters. They they did them one right after the other. 
Um, and I and actually Kenneth Johnson came back and directed every single one of the TV movies, so he was still interested in the show. Now, somebody uh, else who was also important in uh, creating this show was uh, now I'm probably going to pronounce his name wrong, but there is a gentleman that has done a fair amount of work with the Henson Company, and this is a man who has been responsible for puppet creations for things like um, uh, Farscape, it was a, a sci-fi series that got canceled and brought back due to popular demand. And uh, this is Mr. Rockney, or it might be Ronnie. It's spelled R-O-K-N-E-S O'Banion, and it's O-B-A-N-N-O-N. So he actually wrote, uh, I would say, probably the character... That whenever a TV show is, is created and you have to have something for the writers to base the, the scripts off of, you have what they call basically a Bible that gives you the character background. So... Mr. O'Banion actually wrote the characters for the TV show based upon what he saw in the movies. So uh, this this great talent who did a few things with the Henson Company afterwards partnered with Mr. Johnson to create this show. Interesting. And, and funnily enough, uh, I, by the way, I hate that word, funnily. Uh, <laughs> they had uh, the newcomer couple had a baby in the course of the, sh- the series and the the baby daughter was played by a puppet mm-hmm. and um, it was decided to do that because the makeup would have been too uh, heavy for an actual infant and i have so to they, say be, for being 1989 that little baby puppet it looked actually pretty darn good on tv it wasn't bad, and it gave them another opportunity to play up the differences between, which they did a lot uh, in, in clever ways, differences between newcomers and, and humans. And in, in the case of the newcomers, uh, it was the men that uh, carried uh, the baby. And I think I think it takes like three newcomers to... Uh, to have a baby, not two, but three. Is that correct? Yes, uh, Three to Tango was actually an episode name. Now, it's important to note that we are just over halfway through our episode. Okay, so folks, uh, if you want to get up and refresh your beverage, maybe visit the little Half Moon House, and then we'll continue on with the other half of the show. By the way, uh, let's talk. We, we should talk about the um, what the newcomers look like. Um, they're basically humanoid, um, but there are some differences. Mainly, their their hands are kind of big and they're hairless, and they've got kind of uh, markings, uh, beige kind of markings on their skin. By the way, was there ever uh, a, 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 a 
and uh, a newcomer with dark skin, or were they all fair skinned? They were all fair skinned, and I have to wonder if there were a uh, a reboot or a remake, which is so popular in Hollywood nowadays. What they would do about that? Because even Star Trek eventually got, uh, you know, different complexions on some of their aliens, including the Vulcans. Uh, case in point. Mr. Tuvok, who was the uh, the science officer on the Voyager with Kate Mulgrew. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, Spanky says, and don't forget, the newcomers are not, they cannot tolerate salt. Now, does it, I forget, it, it does something to them. Would it actually kill them if they got too much? Well, like I know. If someone sprayed salt on them, would they? I know that their exposure starts with burning because one of the episodes, uh, actually it wasn't one of the episodes, it was one of the TV movies introduces a character who, unbeknownst to them, has come to uh, return them to their slave masters. But he pretends that he has been hiding out in the desert since the ship crashed. And he started to have a rash on his neck, which... Uh, the the main character of Matt's girlfriend, the neighbor, Kathy, she's a scientist. She noticed this uh, rash on the guy's neck. And she says, oh, I know why. Because uh, you were out in the desert in all those years. And here in Los Angeles, we're closer to the ocean. So it starts with a burn and it does become more severe. Now, there was an episode with one of my favorite characters, and I have two favorites, and I'll get to that in a moment here. But there's a, a uh, episode where the uncle, who's trying to uh, be a voice of reason in the young, troubled youth Buck's life, and Buck was the son of George and Susan, he's trying to help him figure out that he's hanging with the wrong crowd and turn his life around. Right. He takes him uh, out. Billy, to- your husband said that uh, played by actor Sean Sex. Yes, Buck was played by Sean Six, and um, I don't think he's done much in recent years. In fact, uh, there's a question on whether or not he's still involved in the world of acting. He might want to be one of those folks who's just uh, disappeared to private life. But um, the uh, the character that I am referring to is Uncle Mudri, and Uncle Mudri was just this wise, sage person. He was sort of a a kind of a, a zen person. He was played by season actor James Green. He had many guest TV roles and had previously had five appearances on Ryan's Hope, which was a series that starred Kate Mulgrew, and he was a detective in that. So Uncle Mudri took, took young Buck, out to the seaside to have one of his Zen experiences. And to answer your question, Toppy, about them uh, being, uh, you know, uh, it's dangerous for them to be near salt water. Well, mm-hmm. um, Uncle Mudri was standing on the shore of the beach and was able to let the water actually reach up to him. So I have to wonder, in, in much the same way as people on the coast uh, could tell you there are areas where you know you you shouldn't swim there because maybe there's pollution. I have to wonder uh, if with the climate change that we have, if there's areas where there are greater concentrations in salt, kind of like if you have an aquarium and you have exotic fish, you have to keep a balance. So I'm wondering if newcomers can stand salt water, but just not the stronger ver- forms. 
Hmm, okay. Interesting. Um, what was the other character? You said there were two characters you really Yes, liked. I would have to say that my two favorites are toss-up between Uncle Mudri, who ends up basically being a, a wise man. He was one of the, the monks of the Tanktonese people. And um, the other character that was my favorite was the neighbor lady, uh, Matt Sykes' neighbor, Kathy, who was a scientist. Very interesting character because, um, you know, the, it gave them the opportunities to explore their differences, but their similarities too. And they had all of these chemistry moments, pardon the scientist pun there. <laughs> you know, it's like all the 80s sitcoms, you, you find opportunities to have the sexes have a conversation. And there's one episode where they're just doing laundry in their apartment building and they, they find that their clothes have gotten into each other's piles. And, you know, uh, it, it, but anyways, Kathy is one of my favorites because uh, she lets you have a, a sounding board for what's wonderful and beautiful in our world. And um, there there was uh, one moment where uh, Matt thought that he would share something he thought was funny. He wanted to show her the Three Stooges. And, mm -hmm. of course, you know, a lot of people tell you that slapstick comedy is a very specific taste in comedy. There are a lot of people who don't care for it. And there's a stereotype that a lot of heterosexual women don't like the Three Stooges in particular. Well, Matt decides to show her the Three Stooges, and she had a very different reaction, not having grown up in our culture. And she's like, this man is terrible. The one with the dark hair, he keeps hurting all of his friends. <laughs> okay, well, so she didn't like it. No, not she at all. Like the and, the, and, okay. and the hysterical thing about it is she put the alien twist on it. She said... And my goodness, the language. Do you know what nyuk 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 means in Tantanese? <laughs> what, what did it mean? She didn't translate, but it was basically implied that it was rather vulgar. Oh, okay. See, I thought where you were going with that is she ended up loving the Three Stooges. No, she she it was it was very interesting because she said that uh, you know Matt was like, well, what do you consider funny? And she said, well, I rented a movie the other night, and um, it was Herbie the Love Bug. And he's like, without realizing it, he insults her. And he says, that's for kids. That's a child's movie. And you know, she's a woman who's a scientist, and he's putting her down. Mm. So I, I didn't get far enough along on the series, TJ. Uh, this was an basically an interspecies love affair as they did sort of fall in love with each other. Did they ever go into or did it ever get down and dirty under the sheets between the two? Yes. Towards the end of the series, they had an episode where they talked about physiology and the differences between humans and Tengtonese. And in particular, um, Matt basically asked George at a moment in the office, you know, uh, what what's considered sensual to a Tanktonese and he, he explains things and it's it's basically like 
a, a lesson in acupuncture because he tells him we're sensitive in places that you don't think about, like behind our knees, the bridge right. of our nose, all pressure and they, points. And they, they like to give hum jobs. Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the, the, um, the vulgarities that they use is instead of mother effer, it's mother hummer. <laughs> so that, that basically involved uh, their erogenous zones, which were on their backs. Right. So, yes, uh, they, Kathy explained to Matt that she was taking a class uh, basically to learn about human physiology. And uh, she's in a situation where she wants to learn how to dance. And he goes to position himself to lead in this, this dance uh, step. And he goes to place his hand on the small of her back and come to find out that's one of their erogenous zones. She mm -hmm. has to explain this, and he says to her, well, how can I teach you to dance if I can't touch your back? And she says, you can. It just has to be a little higher. <laughs> right. So, um, Matthew, in the the uh, chat room, uh, mentions an, another difference, cute little difference, is that newcomers sprinkle arsenic flakes on their food. <laughs> um, they don't... I guess it's never explained if it's a, a nutrient to them or it just makes the food taste good. Also, Matt says that he didn't really care for the fact that uh, Kathy and Sykes. Um, oh, oh, he's oh, I see. I misread it. He says he didn't like that Kathy and Sykes didn't get together. Mm. Um, because he worked so hard to get over his prejudice. Um, and then he said, I asked why, because I, I didn't understand. And, and Matt says, because I, he really wanted them to get together. So after they did, they did they break. I hear it was an on again, off again relationship. They'd like get together, break up, get together. It was almost a trope of that period in television because, you know, we, we've gone a generation or two from when it was considered more day-to-day -day for women to be in the workforce and for women to be equals. We're trying to, you know, explore the idea that you can have platonic friends and not be sexual. So uh, Matt and Kathy were trying to be neighbors, but then they realized they were attracted to each other. But then again, they were also repulsed because you're not of my species and I don't know how to do this. So it, it was a very interesting dynamic and um, it, it, it was fun to watch though. But um, I have to wonder if they were to remake Alienation nowadays, there would probably be a number of changes they might introduce. Now, um, I'm, I'm sure you're aware from what you've seen that, of course, it's not just a male and a female in, in their world in, uh, in right. terms of body. They've got male, female, but there's a, a third gender, and that's in case they decide they actually want to have a baby. Now, in part, this sort of ties into some tribal cultures because uh, there are some cultures in the world that specifically believe that you only get together with the opposite sex if you're going to have a child. Mm -hmm. And so the the newcomers sort of explore that, that you can have pleasure but not have to have a child. And in their culture, the third gender is actually sacred. So it, it's part of sort of a, you know, a, a monastic... Um, order you you have to plan out your your parenting mm -hmm. 
And I thought another interesting aspect of their culture that as slaves they they didn't have a choice who they were going to get married to. Right. It was sort of arranged and forced on them. And you know some after they were released on earth and and you know didn't get along at all but but uh George and uh and and his wife did and they made it work and they actually did fall in love. Yeah, and they they had um an episode where they explored this sort of a uh not really a wonder drug but if you'll pardon the phrase um it was an aphrodisiac and it was sort of like what you might have heard of called Spanish fly where it's supposed to you know heighten your senses and they had this drug called sardinac and when it's taken it's supposed to bond the couple together for the rest of their days and mm -hmm. um when this was explored it was in this case since it's a police show uh, it involved somebody who had been disfigured on the ship and secretly a, uh, a disgruntled lover was uh, killing their their tricks. Uh, it was a it was a prostitution setting. The, the Johns were being offed because of a, uh, you know, a disgruntled ex-lover. But the Sardinac was involved, this potion, basically. And uh, mm -hmm. when George talked to Susan about it and said... Uh, you know, we we never did that, and they they mentioned in the show that um, they made a conscious decision not to take that drug because, just like how they were now free when they crash landed on Earth, free from slavery, their love was free because they chose to be together. Yes, and welcome in uh, to the chat room, Janet, our friend Janet. And uh, she brings up a super interesting point about the TV series is that they uh, took quite seriously the uh, making creating the language for the newcomers. Oh, yes. Um, now, from what I could take of it in some of the materials, um, the producer, Kenneth Johnson, credited his daughter with the the. Um, uh, the mythos of of the uh, creation of the language basically a lot of it was english words written or spoken backwards and they use the the syntax rules of the russian language mm. and so they kind of had a clicking too it was a clicking component yes and um the the theme song which was different in the pilot episode because a lot of times when they film a pilot it's sort of a mini movie and it might be a year before they actually produce the rest of the series the mm -hmm. uh the theme song in the pilot was different than the second episode in the second episode they basically spoke or sang the names of the producer's wife and daughter backwards no s <laughs> that's great trivia that's great trivia in fact uh, spanky says he he gets chills from the theme song uh, uh, dj play clip one and then we'll we'll i'll ask you if this was the pilot theme or the theme to the rest of the episodes so okay. play clip one That was the scene in California's Mojave Desert five years ago. Our historic first view of the newcomer's ship. Theirs was a slave ship carrying a quarter million beings bred to adapt and labor in any environment. But they've washed ashore on Earth 
with no way to get back to where they came from. And in the last five years, the newcomers have become the latest addition to the population of Los Angeles. folks let me get to give you some uh, some fun trivia sure uh, one after another here um let's see uh, so uh, humans uh, just some of the fun little things they played with on the show humans get sore necks and headaches when we're stressed but the newcomers get sore feet when they're stressed uh, and of course when we humans are embarrassed our faces turn red uh, well, when when the newcomers get embarrassed, their eyes change color. Um, Alien Nation won an Emmy for outstanding achievement in makeup. Well worth it. Uh, I mean, uh, well deserved, I think. Um, and um, let's see, uh, the uh, actor Gary Graham, uh, when he was filming the pilot movie, did the whole thing with a torn Achilles tendon. Uh, that was really giving him a lot of pain. Um, and let's see, there's a few other fun little things here. Um, uh, there was um, uh, only one overseer. There was only one overseer on the slave ship for each 10,000 slaves. Now, Matt and Kathy's apartment was located at 2630 Lacey Street, and that was actually the address of the studio where the show was filmed. So named and because... <laughs> sorry. So named because they actually reused the sets from the recently ended Cagney and Lacey. So the, the, uh, the police barracks there that you saw, that was from Cagney and Lacey. No kidding. Yes, cool. sir. Very cool. Um... Actually, it says their apartment was actually the top floor of the studio. So uh, to, to create a lot of the scenes, especially when there are multiple uh, aliens, <clears throat> and over the course of the show, there were about 400 alien heads that were created for actors and extras and things. Um, and they revealed an, an, an episode called Fountain of Youth, that newcomers have a lifespan of about 140 years. And um, that's about it for what I've got. DJ, uh, just talk about when you saw the series, how you caught it, and, and what, 
why you chose this because this is a favorite of yours it sure is now it's uh i should explain that alien nation is what i consider to be my gateway drug into sci-fi nerddom now uh, i had to think about it for a moment because of course once you go into the deep end of the pool you you forget your days of being in the kiddie pool but uh before I got my first glimpse at Star Trek, I watched this one season wonder. And when it was canceled, I was sad because in the same time slot, Fox replaced it with the teen drama 90210. <laughs> and um, it, I should note that the actor who played the heartthrob Luke on that series was recently in the news. He had a stroke and is in a medically induced coma. So um, if uh, Spanky could probably tell us the name of the actor who played Luke on 90210, um, everybody send a positive thoughts to him. But yes, Alienation was my first introduction to sci-fi and I couldn't understand why it wasn't on TV anymore. And it was at a convention, the very same convention that you and I went to these last three years, where I met Lady Janet, I found a graphic, not really novel, but a comic book after Alienation was canceled, before they got the green light to do the TV movies, someone produced a comic that continued the cliffhanger, and that's the clincher folks after 22 episodes they left us hanging they were going to be exterminated by the racist purists who were going to spray los angeles county with basically a alien form of anthrax and they were going to continue it next season but they got canceled now isn't it true that uh the first tv movie didn't they pick up with that Thankfully, yes, thankfully they did. In fact, they also incorporated part of another episode that was nearly forgotten. You have these, you had a quarter million beings. The Tanktonese were 250,000 people on a ship and they were slaves that were, were lost. So essentially they, they were free to live their lives, but uh, they had an episode where they explored the possibility, what would happen if we sent a signal out or what if somebody was looking for them still? And uh, this is where it gets interesting because one of the things they often explored with Alien Nation is the fact that these were slaves and the, their slave masters, the overseers, they could be identified by a tattoo on their wrist, which is what made them stand out. So it was sort of like uh, taking the... the um, the horrors of the Holocaust and turning it inside out. Now the people who were the masters were the ones who bore the mark. Uh, interesting. <clears throat> By the way, uh, Janet says in the chat room that uh, he uh, met the actor who played the newcomer. Uh, let's see. We just had his name there. Uh, oh, Eric Pierpoint. Yeah. Thank you. And at a convention, and uh, Spanky says uh, Luke Perry is the name of the actor that just had the, suffered the stroke. And Mr. Perry, I don't even think, is even in his mid-50s, so quite serious situation there. In fact, there's been talk about a reboot of 90210, and one of the things that's been in the news was that 
um, Luke Perry very specifically was told he was not invited to come back. Oh, okay. So uh, I think that we are almost at our hour mark there, sir. And uh, I just want to take a moment here, and we normally talk about this in terms of whether or not you'd put this on your shelf. Now, um, the, I should say that Alienation isn't really on any streaming service at the moment. I was able to watch it because I was basically first in line when the DVDs came out. It was an exclusive at an electronic store, and I snatched that up. Toot sweet! But um, we're going to actually introduce sort of a new idea here. You know, we neither one of us are, uh, are uh, you know, comfortable living. We're not going to be going off the grid to our mansion in the woods. So um, I was going to ask you, Toppy, what's on your snack tray? And by that, I mean, what else would you recommend that might be similar to this if you think about it? Oh, uh, <clears throat> uh, wow. Uh, you go first because I, I didn't have a chance to think about it. Well, I would uh, certainly think that anything that Kenneth Johnson has done would be an easy in. I mean, uh, Bionic Woman and V. In fact, there was a newer V series that was done in more recent years. Now, Kenneth Johnson did not produce that one, but he did contribute several of the scripts that were produced. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, and directed the pilot and and the four TV movies. Oh, Jenna says uh, she gave a link in the chat room uh, because the episodes can be seen. I think all of them, all 22 episodes. Uh, Oh, and the movie, she says. uh, um, On various sources. No, that's on, uh, they're all on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, V certainly was a lot. There were a lot of similar things about V and uh, Alien Nation. By the way, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you know it. I'm sure everyone in the chat room knows it. But it had to be spelled out to me. The title of the show. It's a play on words. You have uh, a, a, a nation of aliens. Alien Nation. Combine the words alienation. The, the, we were alienated. Uh, the two cultures are alienated from each other. Uh, and they they learn about each other and come together. Alienation. Alienation. Did hmm. you know that? You know, it, uh, I didn't really think about that, but if you say it fast enough, it, it does make sense. Alienation. Yeah. So there you go, folks. Uh, we are at an end, <clears throat> and uh, we'd like to say thanks again to everybody who showed up in the chat room. Billy uh, Starsage, Janet Spanking the Arthur Tommy. Uh, Brenda's out there somewhere. She said she was still listening. Uh, thanks for Library Lady for coming in for a short while. And I believe that's everyone. Okay. So I just wanted to finish with a, uh, a brief bit of news. Over the years, there's been talk of several efforts to try to continue or reboot this wonderful franchise. And one of those included a rumor that they might start it up on something like Sci-Fi or Showtime, which it's been many years since. But I I caught a glance at an article that was printed just this last fall in the Tampa Bay Times, and it said that director Jeff Nichols, and I didn't know who this was until I read the article, but apparently uh, director Jeff Nichols, who's done a couple of independent films recently that have been acclaimed that explored civil rights issues. He's written 
a script for a new alienation story. Now, it's important to note that things like um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang that we talked about not long ago, which were part of 20th Century Fox, just like Star Wars, now belong to Disney. So uh, this being a Fox program is now in the hands of the mouse. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Everything we do is going to be in the hands of the mouse. Yeah, so we'll have to sit, stay put and see what becomes of it. Hopefully they don't turn it into some horrible animated thing with high-pitched voices. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> so um, we're going to go ahead and uh, give you a, a hint at what's coming down the pike here. Let's go ahead and get those coins out. All right, folks. Grab that little thing there and capsule, and what's it got in there? Okay. You don't have to be Next time on Matinee Minutia, Friday, March 15th, we're going to be discussing a 1989 film starring Ghostbusters Dan Aykroyd, formerly from Saturday Night Live, as well as former Playboy model and future Batman celebrity, Kim Basinger. We're going to be watching My Stepmother is an Alien, one of my favorites. All right, <clears throat> another one I have never seen. And uh, it's it just has a, a beautiful opening, and this takes us back to our beginnings of Matinee Minutia, where we started the show off with Barbarella. There's a wonderful scene in the beginning of the film where Kim Basinger is putting on a pair of pantyhose and it looks very much like Jane Fonda getting dressed in space because it's in zero gravity. Uh, <clears throat> well, Spanky says he loved that film, so hopefully he'll be back along with everyone else to join us live in the chat room once again. Uh, we'll just finish up by saying is is this a movie you would take to that desert island dj uh this series absolutely because it's got a little bit of everything in there you've got uh, organized crime you've got prostitution you've got ageism and all sorts of boundaries and you know the uh the guy who was the racist in the beginning ends up with the strange lady next door yeah i have to say um I've never seen the show before, and uh, as as uh, as a, a made for TV thing that's that old, I thought mm, kind of still holds up, and uh, the production ain't half bad. The acting's good, but the stories are the main thing, and like I say, you know, unfortunately, it's just as relevant today, uh, if not even more so. So. I would take that along with me on the desert aisle. Excellent. Well, it is time for us to say goodnight to the audience. So say goodnight, Gracie. Good night, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our program is live every other Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Go to univospods.net. Click the tower for streaming audio. Enter Discord for our chat room. You can find this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. 
join our Facebook group, or visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Have an idea for a future show, or just want to message us? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univazpods.net. Okay, I am turning off the stream.